If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 6. Again, it's 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Let us hear God's Word. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbi. But David remained in Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about this woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And we thank you for the inspiration of it. And now, Lord, we pray that it will speak to our hearts and our lives in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are talking, we're continuing our series on David, and it is our Lenten series, and we are talking about what, uh, during Lent at this time, we're hoping to reflect and repent so that our heart will be as a person after God's own heart. And we look at David, and we see that he is named uh, by the scripture as a man after God's own heart. And in fact, when Paul's preaching uh, in Antioch in Acts chapter 13, 22, this is sort of our theme verse for the entire series. And it says this, And when, he had when God had removed uh, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. And so we've been talking about what it means to be a person after God's own heart. And we're talking about the way that this heart is lived out. And we see that, yes, uh, a person after God's own heart is going to have a clean heart, is going to have a heart that's made new by God. And then we talked about how it's going to be a brave heart and that we can have that brave heart when we allow Jesus to be our David in, in facing the giants uh, of our lives. And then last week we talked about how we should have a dancing heart. And that's a heart that's full of joy. And if you missed it last week uh, and didn't get to dance with us last week, um, I, I'm not sure when we'll ever do that again, but we will, I promise. But anyway, I promise folks that's not something we do every, uh, every Thursday night or every weekend, but, uh, but you just never know. But we talked about a dancing heart. 
And so tonight I want to talk about something that I, I feel like everybody goes through, everybody experiences at one time or another, and that is having a tempted heart. That is having a tempted heart. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, so the setting is there in this story. We see that David is, uh, is home while, while the folks are, are going out to battle, and he's on this rooftop, and, and he walks out there. And, and then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and somebody said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David's on the roof, and Bathsheba's over there bathing, and instead of walking over and just seeing that and hiding his face, what does he do? He, like... <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he made it obvious, because then he sends for her, and whenever he finds, or he inquires about her, and whenever he finds out who she is, he finds out that she is the wife of one of his chief captains, Uriah the Hittite. And so Uriah's uh, been going out to battle, and, and they're out at camp and everything. And so David sends for her. She ends up being with child, ends up after that, as a result of that. Uh, she ends up with child and ends up pregnant. And whenever David finds this out, then, you know, it wasn't bad enough that he had done the adultery thing. Sorry, messed it up there. But then what does he do? He starts to lie about it and he starts scheming about it because he says, All right, y'all call the men in and tell Uriah the Hittite that he can come and, and enjoy a night at home. They can put on some you know, Marvin Gaye or something and, 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 and you know, and, um, and, and, and have a night at the house. But Uriah's like, no, my, my men are sleeping in the camp. I'm not going to go and spend a night at the house whenever I need to be at home. And, 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 I mean, whenever I need to be in the camp with the men, that's not fair. And David's like, oh, gracious. So that's not going to work. And so, because he could have pinned it on Uriah and, and all if Uriah had gone back. But anyway, so what does David do? David calls in his, uh, his main general, and he tells him, he says, okay, put Uriah on the front lines. And whenever the battle gets to be heated, you all retreat and leave Uriah to die. And that's what happens. That's what they do. All of a sudden, Uriah is like going... And he turns around, and they're gone. And then he's gone. And so, not only did David sin in that way, but also it leads to murder. Now, hopefully, nobody's getting into things like this. But everybody is tempted in some way or another. We all have temptations. Maybe it is sexual temptation. Maybe it is temptations toward addictions like alcohol or drugs. Maybe it is a, a, a temptation to spend too much money. Maybe it's a, a, a temptation to shop. 
I know nobody's ever had temptations to shop too much, right? But anyway, uh, maybe, maybe the phone is our temptation, that we just had that temptation. We feel like we've got to be on the phone. Social media might be that thing that we're just constantly tempted to check and see how many people liked our post or how many people uh, commented on it and things like that, and we're just tempted in that way. Maybe we're tempted to have certain attitudes. Maybe we're tempted to be angry. Maybe we're tempted to be sarcastic. Y'all understand now, I want to just make this clear, sarcasm is not a spiritual gift, alright? I know that some folks, some folks are really good at it. And I found myself sometimes really being good at it. And so I have to watch myself. In fact, sarcasm tears down. That word that actually comes, it is a word that tears down. And so it is not a spiritual gift. And maybe we're tempted sometimes to be sarcastic. And that can be a temptation that we find ourselves with. Different things like money or power, all of those things can be temptations in our life. Now here's the good news. Jesus was tempted. And the good news about that lets us know that it is not a moral failure. It is nothing that we've done wrong when we come into contact with temptation. When we experience temptation. Now to fall into that temptation, that's where sin comes in. But everybody, including the Son of God, is tempted or has been tempted. So, what do we want to answer today for the tempting heart? How do we deal with temptation? How do we live? How do we deal? How do we resist temptation? And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. Number one is this. If we are going to deal with temptation, first of all, we need to flee or run from it. That is one of the best ways it, to deal with temptation. I know a, a lot of people say, Tim, that's kind of, you know, that, that's sort of being scared of it, or that's sort of cowardly in it. Mark Twain himself said this, there are several good protections against temptation, but the surest is cowardice. And he's saying, stay away from it. Get away from it. Don't get near it. In other words, we need to understand, we don't need to try to stand in the midst of temptation. We need to flee. If possible, get out of town. Dodge, get out of Dodge. Don't, uh, that's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because He's saying, don't even go that way. We don't even want to go in the direction of temptation. We want to be pulled in the right direction and be delivered from that evil way. If needed, sometimes we may need to set up boundaries or we may um, need to uh, set guardrails that will help keep us out of those situations. In, in recovery, we use the word, the acronym sometimes called HALT. And these are the, these are the situations we have to watch out for because we are most likely tempted or most likely to fall into temptation when these when these things are actually um, active in our life. And HALT, H-A-L-T, stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Because how many of you know that when you're hungry, amen, amen, when we're lonely, when we're angry, when we're tired, 
we are, it, it automatically tears down the spiritual walls. It tears down uh, our, our senses. It tears down our, our, our resistance in such a way, our spiritual resistance. And so it's at those times we really have to look out and we have to be careful of the emotions that we have during those times. Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. But also, look at Matthew 26, verses 41. It says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we have to watch out for those four times of hungry, angry, tired, and uh, lonely and tired because the Spirit may be willing and we may be saying, no, I do not want to fall into temptation, but the flesh is weak. And to understand how weak our flesh is is what will help us set the guardrails and set the boundaries that we need to do and to get away from that temptation. They, they said, somebody said on Hee Haw one time. Y'all remember that show, Hee Haw? Amen. Uh, you can still get it on YouTube. You can go on there and watch episodes of it. We do that sometimes on a Saturday night, of course, because that's when it used to come on. But anyway, but Hee Haw, and, and, and they said it was Doc Campbell had a guy, come, a fella come to him and said, Doc, I broke my arm in two places. And the doc said, well, sounds like you need to stay out of those two places. And folks, what we need to understand is maybe there's some places we need to stay out of or away from so that we don't fall into temptation, flee or run from it. Number two is this. Stay not only out of those places, but stay in God's Word. To stay in God's Word will help us set those boundaries and those guardrails to resist temptations. We are in the midst of Lent. And you remember that Lent represents the 40 days and nights that Jesus was in the wilderness in which he fasted and in which he was tempted. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted. And, 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 and here's the thing, and, and it ends up saying at the end, even at the end, he was very hungry. And so the devil came to him, and the, de and the devil tempted him in three major things. And these are, I believe these are three things that we're usually tempted by as well. The first was with provision. And that's where we think that we have to be the one providing instead of uh, relying on God. And you remember the devil said, Oh, uh, if you're really the Son of God... Then, then turn these stones into bread. And then the second one was power. Power. He said, you know, I'll make you rule. If you worship me, I will make you ruler over all these, this land, over all these kingdoms. He promised them power. How many times are we tempted by some type of power? Are we tempted by power over somebody? in some way. And then the third was protection. So many times we're tempted by our own uh, wanting to be protected in some way, in our own way. Protected against failure, protected against our own mess-ups, protected against uh, anything that will come. Not just danger, but anything. We want to be protected, and so we, we do things our way to be protected instead of God's way. And you remember what he tells Jesus, throw yourself off of the pinnacle of the temple. And if you're really the Son of God, God will send his angels down to protect you. 
Each of those times, Jesus answers those temptations by saying, it is written, or according to God's word, or it has been said. Jesus resisted temptation because he was full of the word of God. Because, and that's what he, he did it. Remember, he says to the one about turning the stones into bread, is that, for it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, there's more to it than just our physical flesh being fed. And then he says about the, the kingdoms of the world, that you shall not worship no other God before, before our God. And then he says, it has been said or it is written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus resisted each temptation with the Word of God. And when we are full of God's Word, whenever we are full, we can stand in the face of that temptation. So our first, our, our first defense is to run, to flee. But sometimes we get in those situations. Sometimes we find ourselves tempted in some way. You know, David, instead of falling into temptation, instead of calling for Bathsheba, if he only would have remembered what God's Word. David, David was, he, he did very well in other, in other times when he was tempted. Remember the time whenever Saul went in and Saul was after him and it could have been very easy. Uh, Saul went into a cave and the Bible says he went into the cave to cover his feet. You know what it meant to cover his feet? It meant that he was going to the bathroom. Remember they wore robes. And uh, it, was a, it was a nice way of saying he was going to the bathroom to cover his feet because they'd squat down. Well, I don't want you to get that in your mind. But anyway, but, but, uh, but he went to cover his feet and David snuck up behind him. David could have easily killed him. I don't know about you, I think I would have been tempted. I would have been tempted. This guy had been chasing him down. He had killed a bunch of priests. Told him where that wouldn't tell him where David was and all, and here was David's chance. But you know what he does? He he cuts a little bit off of Saul's cloak so that he can later make sure that Saul knew he could have killed him, but he didn't. And I believe it's because David had in his heart at that time where the word said, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. And David didn't. Stay in God's word. And number three is this we flee or run from it. We stay in God's Word. And number three is pray for God's grace to help. Pray for God's grace to help. Listen, Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says this, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So when we try to run from temptation and that's not... Working, or whenever we're faced with it in some way, we have to be filled with God's Word, but then we also need God's grace to help us in that point. We need God's grace. He says, put on Christ. Now, here's, here's the thing. You remember, when Jesus is, goes into the wilderness, and if you read that passage where He goes into the wilderness and tempted, is tempted, right at the very beginning of that passage, it says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. I believe he was able to resist temptation because he was full of the Holy Spirit. You know, that wasn't the only time that he was tempted. We also see where Jesus was tempted in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And Jesus is there in the garden and he knows what's ahead of him. And you remember he says, Father, if this cup can be passed by me, let it be. But what does he do? He says, but not my will, but your will. I believe he was able to say that because of the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And we can have that same, that power is available to each and every one of us. And it's available through God's grace. It's available through His sanctifying grace. That means that's the grace that comes in. You know, when we're saved, we, we have His justifying grace that, that justifies and, and pardons us and forgives us of our sin. But then after that, we need His sanctifying grace that continues to help us grow in Christ and get the stuff out that needs to get out. And that's the same grace that will help us in that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says it like this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure it. His grace is enough to help us escape that temptation. I don't know if y'all are big Star Wars fan, but I, I remember in Star Wars and in Star Trek, I know there may be some Trekkies out here, all right? But in Star Wars and Star Trek, whenever uh, in Star Wars it was the Millennium Falcon usually, Luke and Han and Chewie and, and Princess Leia and all, they'd be on there and they were going, and they were the, uh, the, the Empire, they were right behind them and all, and then all of a sudden they would go into this thing called hyperdrive or hyperspace. And all of a sudden, you'd see these white lines and they would be gone. And that's how they escaped. We saw the same thing in Star Trek. They would go to light speed or warp speed and they would be gone. And so, but in Star Wars, it was called hyperspace. Well, folks, if we are going to escape temptation, and I remember Craig Groeschel, I'll give credit where credit's due, but he said if we're going to escape uh, temptation, then what we're going to need is what he called hyper-grace. Isn't that good? Amen? I wish I had thought of that. We need hyper-grace to come in. And that's the grace that can help us in the midst of our temptation, no matter how great it may be. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about having a, uh, a thorn in the flesh. And, and you know, for some folks... Um, uh, some, some scholars believe that thorn in the flesh was a physical ailment. Some think it might have been his eyesight or some type of pain. Others, uh, we know that he was beaten a lot, and so it definitely could have been things from those injuries. Also, some scholars think that his thorn in the flesh may have been another person. I've even heard some say that possibly... You know, him and Peter didn't always get along very well, and they had some disagreements and things. I'm not sure. Some other scholars believe that it possibly was a certain temptation that he had. That there was some type of temptation that he just couldn't get. And you remember, he asked God three different times, Lord, take this from me, take this from me. And then here's how it's answered. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We're not sure exactly what that thorn in the flesh was. But what we can be sure about is that God's grace is sufficient for us. Amen? It's sufficient. If that thorn in the flesh was, if it was some way a, a, an infirmity, or whether it was a certain sin in his life, or whether it was a person, God was continuing to say, my grace is sufficient for you. Folks, that's how we can live in the victory. That's how we can live in the victory even when we have a tempted heart. Bob Goff tells a story about how whenever he and his wife found out that they were having a baby, and they found out that it was a girl, and they had decided what they were going to name her and everything, he sat down and he wrote a letter saying that when you wreck your car, your first car, that I forgive you. And he folded up the letter and he put it in a, put it in a jar and buried it in the yard. Well, he said, sure enough, at 17 years old, she wrecked her first car. And he told her exactly where that jar was buried. And she went and dug it up and she read that letter. And he said, the reason I did that is because I wanted her to know that even before I knew her, even before she knew me, she had already been forgiven. Folks, I want you to know, the good news is that even before we knew who God was in our life, in fact, 2,000 years ago on a cross, we were forgiven. And that's the power, the grace of God. And what that tells us is that we don't have to fall into temptation. You know why? Because we have a God that loves us and has already forgiven us. What I want that to do, I want that to take the pressure off. Because you see, when I think whenever we try to resist temptation just because we're worried about the sin or the punishment and things like that, I think that's the wrong reason not to sin. The best reason not to sin is because we already know that we serve a gracious God who has forgiven us and who is there for us and who will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Amen. And He's already proven. It may not have been a jar of a, a letter in a jar that was buried in the ark, but it was the Son of God that was on Calvary's cross who died and rose again. So let's live in God's victory over whatever tempted heart we may have. And His grace is sufficient for you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You. And we look to You tonight to help us with any temptation that we find in our life. Lord, we all find ourselves tempted at times. But no matter what that is, Lord, and Lord, it doesn't mean we're not going to sin, but what it does mean is that we don't have to sin because we have Your grace 
that goes before us. Now, Lord, work in our hearts, work in our lives. Maybe there's somebody here that's never said, or watching online that's never said, Lord, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, help me not to fall into those temptations. Lord, I pray right now, God, that your grace will go. That your grace will justify them, pardon them and forgive them, and now your grace will sanctify by taking away that temptation. For your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.